uh, uh, she's been a little fan, so we'll just try to put as much of it up here on the screen as we can. Paul writing to the church at Galatia and asks a very simple question here, and that is, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? And so the title of the, the study has been, How Are You Hindered? The first thing we mentioned was blame, and that is uh, looking for somebody else to you know, pass the buck to. Uh, started at the very beginning, Garden of Eden. Um, you know, he went to Adam, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the serpent, and so on and so forth. And nobody, has, nobody had to ever teach us to we know automatically. Um, and uh, uh, the men that come on Monday nights for our study, that was a very, very interesting, powerful point, res- really uh, talking about the, uh, the uh, uh, difference between circumstances and consequence. And uh, most people uh, view their life really like, uh, uh, well, it's a product of my circumstances. But uh, the, the study has revealed that life is 2% circumstance. And uh, instead, people say, well, it's my upbringing, or it's my family, or it's this problem, or it's this inadequacy, or this weakness, or this shortcoming. The reason I did this is because of this. No, the reason you did that is because you chose to do that. Um, and uh, But people are always wanting to excuse, and uh, we see it even more and more as our, in our culture, uh, particularly um, uh, the way things unfold in our, in our society today. But that is blame, finding someone else to hold accountable, uh, to hold fault. Then... Uh, borrowing, um, and by borrowing we mean uh, that uh, those wounds and wrongs against us uh, that we want to hold on to when God says, I've already got those, I've taken them. Um, the Bible says, surely he has borne our sorrows. But most of us are reluctant to give them to God. We want him to take away the hurt, but we like to hang on to the wounds. In fact, sometimes people feel an entitlement, like that's mine. Let me have it, let me keep it. And uh, so we remind those who wounded or wronged or afflicted us in some way. And we, or we sometimes hold it over their heads. And uh, it's, it's very important to understand, particularly when it comes to forgiveness. That's something you can't do. Um, and then uh, uh, we, we use the word beg. And very, very similar. And that's, uh, I'm owed this uh, for my suffering, for my hurt. And uh, I was sharing with uh, uh, Mrs. Rosentes and, and Andy today. A, a book that I had uh, recently been reading, and there was a particular case, and and uh, a young lady, uh, well over 40 years ago, and uh, her family was camping in the Badlands National Park, and her daughter was kidnapped during the night, and uh, uh, the, just a, a terrible story, made nationwide news, and they never found her, never located her at all, um, and one year to the date of the kidnapping the person who abducted her called the mother uh, one year to the day and she kept him on the phone and continued to talk to him and they spoke for over an hour and she got enough information out of him to uh, uh, to I- identify who he was and they, they went and located him and arrested him and he confessed. He confessed to that and numerous others who had been a serial killer. Again, this was more than 45 years ago. I think uh, she was the last victim, a little seven-year-old girl. That was 1973. But after he confessed to the crime, uh, he committed suicide while he was in prison. But this, the mother of that little girl, um, she would tell the story years later, contrasting the difference between her and her husband. 
Her husband had heart attacks and ulcers and just was eat up. And, and by her testimony, they were both Christians, but he never got he never let it go. He just continued to allow that grief and anger. And did he have a reason to be angry? Yes. Do you have a reason to be grieved? Yeah. But but here's the deal. God said, would you let me have that? See, let me ask you this. Do you think God just wants your sin? You think that that's the only thing God wants from you? Your sin and your service? And everything else, he says, go ahead, you keep it on your own. I want, you, I want your sin, because you can't get to heaven carrying that, and I want you to serve me. Do you think, you think that's really the way God works? Because it's foolish to think that. She, on the other hand, after the, the gentleman who was the serial killer, and I was going to save this illustration for a Sunday morning message, but I, I'll find another one. Um, but she went and contacted the man's mother. And she said she wanted to meet her because she, too, had lost a child. Can you imagine? And she would tell the story about seeing that lady come to Christ. Because when she went there, she brought uh, a photo album of her daughter, and that lady pulled out a photo album of her son. And she said with tears running down her face, she saw pictures of that little boy when he was five years old sitting on the front porch. And she said that was that little child who grew up to be what we might call a monster. And she said, but he had a family that lost a child just like I did. I don't know that I could ever do that. That's a different level. But if you stop and think about it, what did God do to you and me? Because it's easy for us sometimes to take a step back and say, yeah, Calvary, those bad guys, the soldiers. The, you know, the priests, scribes, fairies, all of them, the mocking crowd, give us Barabbas, yeah, they're terrible people. You know, do you ever think for a moment that that was you and that was me? Because we think sometimes, yeah, those, those bad people did that. Do you realize that your sin and my sin put them on the cross? Okay, I'll, I'll break it down this way. Okay, I'll use me. I am responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. And his father says, I want to redeem him. I don't get it. I don't get it. But that's, you know, we, we sing about the love of God. And, it, you know, by Frederick Lehman. And that song is one of my all-time favorites. In fact, Garrett texted me Tuesday. And uh, they were singing it in chapel. And he took a picture of it on the screen. And he said, Pastor, you always mention this song. He said, I just want you to know we sang it in chapel today. And uh, when I saw that, I thought, man, that, that is. And the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. I, I mean, y- you cannot even be, we cannot even begin to fathom how much God loves us. Because we We don't ever use this type verbiage because it almost seems too commonplace and and beneath speaking. But it would not be an error to say you killed Jesus Christ. We never say that that way. It sounds much more polite to say my sins were responsible. But that's exactly where we're at here. So, So when you say... I'm going to beg for this. I want this. I own this as my hurt. This is my win. I want to keep it. I want to hang on to it. And the lady went on to tell in her story that uh, she believed that's what took her 
husband's life. He died more than 20 years before she did. And it was because he was so consumed with rage and anger and bitterness. And I don't know, but what I would have been the same guy. My, my point is this. God says, you don't have to go through life with that. You did run well. What happened? Why are you hindered? And uh, then, may I say this further, uh, the fact that we are burdened. Burden means we're carrying something, of course, and something that we don't have to. Um, and I want to share a verse, and then we've got to jump right in here to a few characters. I don't think we covered this yet. Now, therefore, why tempt you, God, to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? In many respects, this is talking about, of course, the law and trying to, uh, trying to do that which is pleasing to God and thinking that that's going to suffice, that nobody's ever capable of doing that. But when it comes to burdened, um, everybody's carrying some. Sometimes it's what David was carrying. David was carrying a glaring sin. How do you know it was glaring? Because he's the one who said, my sin is ever before me. He said, it didn't matter where I go, it was there. But, you know, that's, that's not a bad place in one respect, and that typically that's the stage you're in prior to repentance. See, because if you can't ever see your sin, you'll never get right with your with God about your sin. You can't ever see it. You say, what's the difference? Because people see sin. Everybody saw Rahab's. You know? And a lot of people saw David's because the prophet said, you've given occasion to the enemies of God to blaspheme. A lot of people knew that. I mean, Peter, they knew his. Paul, they knew what he was like because nobody trusted him. And so... David's burden was so heavy upon him, he said, I water my couch with tears. He said, day and night thy hand is heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought. And he said, my sin, my sin is ever before me. But we're pretty good at picking out everybody else's. I can tell you what his problem is. I can tell you what her problem is. But what, about, what about me? What about me? As the old song reads, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. And so, for us, there is that, that glaring sin. And perhaps that's the burden. Maybe, maybe that is for someone tonight. Maybe that is the reason you, you've been hindered. It's something that you just keep hanging on to. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight in the, the, the sin which does so easily beset us. Now, the is a definite article in the English language. It means there's a, there's a dead ringer for each of us. And yours would be entirely different than someone else's. Someone might struggle with something. You think, man, I can't believe they're struggling with that. Well, yeah, what about you? And they might also flip it and say, I can't believe you're struggling with that. And I, you know, I, I think I used it Sunday night. My wife and I, we were out for a walk the other night, and, and there was someone, you, you know, partaking of a, a you know, sin. And, and I, I said to my wife, I said, you know, as offensive as that is, I said, there go I, but by the grace of God. I've no, I'm no different than that particular individual at all. And so what... Uh, What's your sin? For David, it was a glaring sin. For Moses, it was a lack of confidence. He wondered if God could use him. In fact, maybe, I've, you know, I've re read some people who said that perhaps Moses offered this as an excuse. I don't know that I would ever say that because I don't want him to beat me up when I get to heaven. I mean, after all, you know, he did have a rod. But uh, nonetheless, so that's all right, tough crowd. So here's Moses, but his reason, you know, was, who am I? You know, I, God can't use me. 
Have you ever noticed in the Bible God always uses little things? You know, the the name of the boy in the feeding five thousand is not give him. It just says there is a lad here. And yet it's the only miracle that occurs in each of the four gospels. And so this guy, and by the way, he didn't have a smorgasbord. It wasn't like he pulled up in a catering truck. You know? He had a lunch just for him. And he planned on, you know, consuming, partaking, and he, he probably had great plans for it when he got there. Imagine when mom was putting it all together that morning and put it in there, gave him a Capri Sun and all that, you know, filled it up real nice. Come on, you guys are tough. Little bag of Cheez Its and, you know, fun fruits, fruit roll up, whatever he had. And so he shows up, and then boom, the disciples say, There is a lad here. Man, can you imagine if, if whatever it is that God wants you to do, he had one of his key and choice people said, oh, I know, I know Dave, I know Gary, I know, I know Caleb, and I, I know Mike, and, and, and they've got something that would work in this situation. Wouldn't it be good if God could do that with us? But it, sometimes what happens is we have a lack of confidence. Now, it should be a marvel to us that God would use anyone else. I marvel that he loves me. I really do. I, I say it from time to time. Sometimes people think, oh, you probably don't mean that. Oh, I truly do. I'm not, it's not feigned in any way. It, you know, the, the song says, I'm amazed that he loves me. And I, you know, it's true. I, I think about the old hymn, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And I wonder how he could love me. I think about every bad thought I've ever had. And they're unpleasant. A pain to remember. I think of every, un, every unkind word I've ever spoken. And I've said some. I think about bad language I've used. I've not forgotten it. I guarantee you, I know every bad word there is. Now, I don't use them. Praise the Lord. I mean, I know I'm capable of using them. I write them down sometimes as you're raising them in the air. But I, but I think about me. And I wonder how he could love me. And here, here's the part. A sinner condemned unclean. And so when that writer pins those words, oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. And my song shall ever be. And that's good. Um, but nonetheless, here we see Moses with a lack of confidence. I, I hasten. We see Samson and his, uh, his weakness perhaps was arrogance and pride. It was a burden he was carrying, and it was one that would cost him his life. You know, it's one of the saddest stories. The Bible says about Samson, um, he w- this is one of the saddest verses in all the Bible. He wished not that the Spirit was departed from him. He didn't even know. It's one of the dangers, by the way. It's one of the dangers about going to church and repeatedly hearing God speak to you and sensing his prompting and never replying. I'm afraid, I'm afraid that happens a lot more than we own up to. That's why, I, that's why I've said it before, obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. If God moves in your heart to hit an altar on Sunday morning, don't worry about what anybody might think. Worry that you might not hear it next week. I'll, I'll never forget this. I was uh, I was 16 years old, and I uh, I was wrestling about my future. Even though I I really was leaning towards 
uh, going into law school, and it was it was my senior year. It was right before I went to youth conference, and our pastor uh, went out visiting with him. He had a you all remember the Pintos, Ford Pintos, the Flame Mobile. Probably shouldn't even joke about that, should I? My pastor had one. So we went out visiting. We drove out in the country. I can see this like it happened a moment ago. We pull up in the driveway. It was a gravel driveway, ramp-style house, big yard. And there's a guy sitting on the front porch. He's just sitting in a rocking chair, sipping a glass of tea. Not an unusual sight in the South at all. And we pull up in there, and he talks to the guy. I I don't recall the guy's name, but... Uh, he talked to him about receiving Christ, and he said, no, nope, can't do it. And he began to talk and just kind of small talk, and he said, wish you could, can't do it. And uh, on the way back to the church, it was probably 20, 30 minutes because we drove way out in there. I said, I said, what's his story? Why didn't, why didn't he get saved? He said, well, I don't know. He said, but he tells me he can't. And I said, what, what's his story? He said, I've been visiting him for more than a decade. And he tells me the story about when he was a young man, he said God really worked on his heart, service after service after service. And every time he said no, he said no, he said no. And finally, he was so incensed at God, he said, don't ever ask again. He said, that's been over 20 years ago. And he said, every time I've been in a church, I've had a pastor give me an invitation to the gospel. He said, I've never felt the least compelled to respond. You know, the Word of God says my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh. I don't know when that day is coming. I realize that I believe if you're 98.6 and vertical, you got a shot. Thief on the cross was moments away from death and had an opportunity to respond. But that man, as far as I know, and he was, he was an older gentleman at the time, but he never trusted Christ. And for, for us sometimes, I'll go next week. Maybe you won't. Maybe you won't have next week. Or maybe the sermon won't appeal to you. Maybe the song won't touch your heart. Maybe you won't feel any conviction. Don't ever shake it off. Don't ever feel like, well, you know, it's not that big a deal. Oh, it is. Because the Holy Spirit is not one to be trifled with. We we don't want to just be flippant about God and say, well, well, whatever. Yeah, I know he's telling me I need to change this. I'll take care of it another time. Really? Maybe not. So Samson, in his, in his instance, he said, I shall arise as in time past. She said, Arise, Samson, the Philistines be upon thee. And of course, she had pressed him day after day, trying to find the secret of his strength. The secret of his strength was his Nazarite vow. The razor not touched his head. And so um, he tells her, and she shaves his head. I shall arise as in times past. Of course, his commitment and his strength, his confidence was placed upon himself. I shall arise as in times past. But he wist not that the spirit was departed from him. They took him, they took Samson, they bored his eyes out. And they put him to grind at a mill like a wild beast would. And Sam, they made fun of him. The Bible says they made sport. And then they brought him into the temple of their God. And of course, it was there that he asked God to avenge. One of the greatest verses in the Bible, the Bible says, how be it the hair of his head begin to grow. And his strength returned unto him. And he asked God, he said, will you avenge me this one time? But even then, it's almost a little bit sad, though God did grant his prayer, that he asked for vengeance for his eyes. The thought was still about, I lost my eyesight. It wasn't I departed from God or I, I abandoned my vow. And I'm not faulting him because 
I'll see him one day too. And Samson, the stories are legendary. But the fact is, he said, my eyes, my eyes. And uh, I think one of the great burdens that he carried was an arrogance and pride. The Bible says, let him that thinks he standeth take heed lest he fall. And uh, pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, Galatians 6, 1, I believe it is. Brethren, if, if a man be overtaken in a fall, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. And here's, here's the important part of it, considering thyself. Lest thou also be tempted. I don't, you don't want to ever look at somebody and think I'm better than them because you're one step away from being in a worse spot. No, none of us, hey, listen, I, I hate to disappoint you. Uh, nobody here is all that. And I, I'll be the first to put my hand up for it. None of us are all that. We have n- Not a one of us have spiritually arrived at a level of spiritual maturity. None of us. And so, anyway, c- keep that in mind. So, David's glaring sin, Moses' lack of confidence, Samson's arrogance and pride. Peter, a flash from the past, a cursing denial. Peter had that, uh, man, Jesus told him, you're going to deny me. And he said, no, I'm not. Never happened. It won't, won't happen. Well, we see that he had put himself up on a pedestal thinking, I'm never going to deny. Somebody else might. Though all should deny you, I'm, re- I'm ready to die with you. Be very, very careful about saying never, 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 never. Well, I'll never be very careful about saying that. Because anybody is capable of doing anything. It's, it, make no mistake about it. And, uh, but he has that flash in the past, that cursing denial. And so not only does he tell the Lord, that won't be me, he follows it up by taking it next level, if you will, w- in terms of his sin. He, he not only denies him once, but twice, but the third time. The Bible says immediately the cock crew, boy, Peter went out and wept bitterly, the Bible tells us. Because it was a- a- at that moment he realized that he disappointed his Savior and that he had turned his back on him even though God said, hey, this is, I know you're proud, you're a little cocky. And Peter probably had pretty good reason to be. You know, he did walk on water. Nobody else stepped out of the boat. The rest of them kind of watched. And, of course, he had that story to run with for the rest of his life. That's probably pretty good. He was also the one who was so bold to take on all those soldiers in the garden. Man, what great, I, and I think in a lot of, I know people sometimes give him a hard time, but he, you know, he's getting ready to take on a entire you know, battalion of soldiers as they're approaching them. And these, these guys are not soldiers. It's just, a, just a, a, a few of them there in the garden. And, hey, we're ready to do battle. I think he had great confidence in the Lord when he did that. I don't think there's any question about it. Because they only had one sword between them. So, you know, you're, you're kind of outnumbered. But he goes from that great moment to realizing, man, I'm not, I'm not all that. And then the Lord steps in. And then, of course, miracle at Pentecost and God uses them in a profound way but boy what a burden that was to carry because I think for the rest of his life it carried as a weight to say how do you know well Peter you, you remember how he was martyred crucified and he said I want to be crucified upside down because I'm not worthy of the cross of Christ and so the crux du crusada. He was it was inverted because he didn't want to. He didn't feel he was wor- worthy to be identified with the death of his savior. So he he goes all the way from that cursing denial, that flash from the past, and he winds up being martyred for the cause of Christ. Then I get to the last one here, and um, 
I don't think we're going to finish tonight. I'm sorry about that. Uh, Thomas, a lapse of faith. You know, I always wonder, isn't it something to, uh, to be remembered for one thing and it be bad? Do you know Thomas, his story is amazing. He's martyred for preaching. And he takes the gospel to India, and he's martyred there. Uh, he's basically run out of town, and eventually he's, he's hit with lances, and then they, they almost filleted Thomas alive. He was skinned, executed. It's un- unbelievably barbaric. And the only, we, we don't ever say that about Thomas. He's of the doubters. You know, it's a, it's a good reminder to us Aren't you glad that God doesn't call you by your worst moments? If he did, what would your name be? If he said, Stuart, the, I shudder to think what it might be. I'm not sure what my worst would be. I, I know this. There are plenty from which to choose. But of Thomas, he gives us that glimpse into one microcosm of his life, and it's like, oh, yeah, Thomas, the doubter. You think he carried that with him? Oh, I'm sure he did. And many times those are burdens that are too grievous to be borne. And God doesn't want you to bear them. You guys look very, very tired tonight. And that's okay. I'm just grateful you came. And so with that, I'm not going to make you sit here any longer. Let's pray. Lord, we sure do thank you for the few thoughts you've given us tonight from your word. I pray that you would indeed... Lord, help us to look at the things perhaps that you brought to our minds about what has hindered us. And God, may we come to grips with that. Lord, turn it over to you. Help us, Lord, this weekend, especially on Saturday with the prayer breakfast and faith share and our services on Sunday. Lord, we need you uh, very, very much so. Please, please help us. And Lord, we ask that you would especially be with these many, many requests that have been mentioned tonight. And God, thank you for your love and your mercy to us. We pray and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed if you're able to and you have an opportunity. Help us reset the auditorium. That would be much appreciated.